Go, go, go! Jarring Cacophony tells you you're back with the Power of Three podcast. The podcast where generally three middle-aged-ish gents get together and discuss all things to do with Doctor Who, whether it's on the telly, on radio, on CD, in books, in comics, in magazines, or indeed any other format you care to name. If it's Doctor Who, we will usually discuss it, dissect it, discourse, and probably disagree along the way. This week we are taking a trip back to the 90s and my goodness, uh, those were happy times, pills, thrills and belly aches according to the Happy Mondays, but that's not where we are going. We are heading into a far safer space, or are we, as we are going to be discussing the paradise of death and the ghosts of end space, those classics released by the BBC in the 90s featuring John Pertwee, Elizabeth Sladen and Nick Courtney. But I'm not alone to discuss this pair of paradisical no they're not fables they're tales um, and joining us is a man who probably knows a thing or two about paradise it's Dr John Bolin hello John hello Kenny, yes that was a nightclub I used to own uh, <laughs> lovely to see you and lovely to see you too and also making up the numbers well he's not just making up the numbers he is actually a very pretty face who's going to share his thoughts as well it's Stevie Day Hello, Kenny. Hello, John. Shall I just take that spade off you, Kenny, and you can stop digging that hole? Uh, no, it's. <laughs> I'm probably going to need it about three more times before this uh, next uh, next hour or so is out. But yes, it's. Uh, it wasn't meant in that way. I was. That's what you get when you're free flowing. I don't have any notes when I do this. It's very um, impressive to watch the panic in his eyes when he's reaching the end of a sentence and he doesn't know where he's going to go with it. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, I can actually feel the panic rising, thinking, "Oh God, what have I said now?" Instead, see this here, this bottle. I've got my bottle of water. This is um, a bottle of Evian, which um, I bought at LAX because I was really thirsty working back from Gallifrey, and it was refilled with water from Heathrow, and I've still not finished it three months later. So, there we go. It's. Um, Mm, it's London water on eBay. <laughs> yes, I was selling it. That was that was Gallifrey water, technically. <laughs> yeah, I dread to think about other sorts of Gallifrey water, but nonetheless, we're going to be moving on and chatting about the nineties Pertwee radio serials. What do you remember about when these were first announced, John? Oh, well, first of all, can we just say thirty years? Are you sure? I mean, as you know, I'm a slim, vibrant gentleman in his mid-twenties with a lust for life and a flexible spine. <laughs> How can this be 30 years old? I, I just um, I just can't get my head around that. I wasn't actually in the country at the time. I was living in, in Rome. So the actual announcement uh, of the Paradise of Death passed me by. So for me, I only ever found out about it after it had been broadcast or after the first one had been broadcast so, so I'd, I'd missed out on all of the um, publicity for the most part and I wasn't because I was living abroad I wasn't tapped into you know um, I wasn't getting Doctor Who magazine or anything at that, at that time and it was decidedly pre-internet so um, it was only when I came back home that I found out about this so yeah um, for me it was a, a delightful surprise but uh, I was not prepared for it at all that's amazing. I've just checked. It was August the 27th, mm-hmm. 1993, that episode one went out. Mm-hmm. What about you, Stevie? What yeah. do you recall about the announcement of the paradise of death? Well, you see, Al was a bit of a purist back then. And unless it was on telly, or I'd recorded it on my tape recorder, 
or I was playing Genesis of the Daleks on vinyl, it wasn't really Doctor Who. And I was oh. a bit of an arse, to be honest, back then about oh. this, because it just wasn't real to me. So I actually avoided the entire thing. I just thought, because oh. traditionally, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember the, the State of Decay uh, cassettes yes. uh, by Tom Baker. Do, 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 do. And, and that kind of, oh, I love Tom Baker, but that kind of put me off because it wasn't proper Doctor Who. And I think because of that, I was kind of avoiding it. And my introduction to this would have probably been about, I don't know, 98, 99, when my mum bought me both on CD. And of course, boy, was I an idiot once I listened <laughs> to them. As if Doctor <laughs> Who could work in audio. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I mean, I've just uh, gone back and checked my... Doctor Who magazine archive and in HDWM issue 202 from the 4th of August 1993 it tells us that recording is finished in the paradise of death uh, the five part audio adventure for broadcast on BBC Radio 5 my goodness mm. um, telling us who the guest cast are and um, yeah it's quite a, a scary thought it was that long ago um, seeing it's been set for transmission for August and will be released in stereo on cassette through the BBC Audio Collection in September. That's quite quite terrifying when you look at it like that. I mean, I remember as a Doctor Who magazine reader uh, finding out all about it, and I was quite excited because my mum and dad were always quite keen on talking books and radio and things like that. So to me, this was just um, another sort of form of Doctor Who. I was quite pleased by it all and ready for, um, ready for some new. I'm just uh, quite quite excited. Recording began on the Friday the 28th of May so that's pretty much 30 years ago as we talk so that's mm -hmm. really quite scary yeah. It is very scary Yeah, yeah. so very, what yeah. how did we find coming back to it then when we were re-listening to it for today's episode Stevie, how did you find that uh, uh, that double CD release or did you go for the cassette? No, uh, the, the CD release I have to say it wasn't that long ago since I'd listened to them so it was probably only about six months. But I thought I'd better go back again because they are two of my audio go back to. It's sitting there on my player, whatever it is now, and I'll pick it up and go. I must also admit, because it was on CD and it was fired into an iPod at the time, I always listen to them in the wrong order. <laughs> even, even this time round, I went for the Ghosts of Endspace and then the Paradise of Death. And then I'm completely away with the first one, and then I think, oh, that's how we meet Jeremy in the second one. <sighs> Listening back, I think they are such good productions. Uh, I was totally wrong, slapped myself on the wrist. Big finish of its time, if not, I think um, the Ghosts of Endspace equal to a big finish of now. And John Pertwee, what can I say? He wasn't my doctor, but I love John Pertwee. As long as he's not Wurzel Gummidge, Long as the doctor, I love John Berkeley. Interesting. John, how did you find coming back to the Paradise of Death? Uh, Paradise of Death. Well, um unlike unlike Stevie, I was I was of the cassette generation originally. So I own it in, in two two media. I own it on, on cassette, which I can't find at the moment, it's somewhere. But then I got, when it was released in the uh, the BBC radio collection, I acquired it um, on, on C D there. And yes, I uh, again, not that I'm, I'm taking issue with anything that's, that Stevie says tonight, but unlike Stevie, John Pertwee was my doctor, hard as that may be for you to imagine, given these lustrous black locks that you see <laughs> floating over my shoulders. Uh, so he was my doctor, so I, I have that very strong emotional connection with the third doctor. And although you can tell that his voice has aged, Slightly, oddly enough, probably le less so uh, in the Ghost of End Space, if that's possible. But in the Paradise of Death, as soon as you hear, you know, the Doctor talking to again a very uh, youthful-sounding Sarah Jane um, Elizabeth Sladen, it's just wonderful just to be back in that in that space that I remember as a very, very, very small boy gazing up at the television 
So uh, it was lovely to go back to it. Um, and, and unlike Stevie, again, here we go again, unlike Stevie, it's, it's, they, they, they are not stories that I would habitually go back to. They do kind of lurk in the periphery of my of my awareness as a kind of a, a special, but not quite that special, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think first time I heard it, actually, I didn't get, I didn't listen to the radio version. I waited because I knew the cassette was coming out quite soon after, and I'm sure that I mail ordered it from John Fitton Books and Magazines or somewhere like that to make sure that I got my copy pretty much in day one, you know, as soon as it was released. And you know, I'm, I'm not Pertwee's not my favourite Doctor, but I really enjoyed the Paradise of Death. It was, I mean, it's not a typical third Doctor story. It's very much trying to sort of fit in with what was happening in those days of the early 90s with VR and things like that. We've got the experienced reality headsets and that sort of thing. And it's a very interesting sort of mix trying to do the 70s and the 90s. Uh, I mean, how did we find the storyline? Did you find that as well, John? Yeah, I, I, I found the story a bit of a mishmash of things. You could you could tell that it was a, a Barry Lett story. Uh, there's always that kind of moral message uh, in there, usually not terribly well hidden. <laughs> uh, some people might say it's moralising as well. So there, there is that kind of um, eco message that's that's pretty much front and centre in the whole thing. And there are little nods to, you know, there, was a, there was a bit of the Carnival of Monsters in there, I thought, but also with a nod to an attempting to get at some of the the grittiness of uh, what Davros was up to on Necros. So yeah, the, the, it was it was a bit e- eclectic, but as, as far as I'm concerned, it, it, it pulls it off. Basically, that's my that's my my overall feeling. Stevie, how did you find it? That uh, that mixture of nineties and seventies and yeah, trying I... to be futuristic as well. Oh, tricky one. I. Mm. I, my remembering of John Pertwee is mostly through books, so I didn't get the the 70s vibe through reading it. It was kind of contemporary to me, and these were a wee bit like that. I didn't put them in any particular time period. I I would say I was surprised by the um, adultness of certain sections. Um, shall we say that came as a bit of a surprise and again on my re-listening because I'd forgotten about them but I mean you know um, Sarah and Dragon well wait a minute you know on board the ship there's no kind of uh, thinking wonder what they're talking about there wonder what wonder what Dragon's up to it was very kind of you know well this is what I'm going I'm going to do something horrible to you Sarah Jane Smith and you think oh this isn't the Doctor Who quite I remember but then I suppose we were in the Colin Baker era we had him with a submachine gun running around maybe that was just catching that vibe I think the interesting thing is that there's quite a few lines in there that seem very um, at odds with like the, the rest of the Pertwee era let's hear some examples now but if you could follow that why choke on a mere 3,000 years more oh, Atlantis it's a fantasy a legend well Mark it was quite a hairy trip Poor old TARDIS was almost done for. Time ran. Oh, don't tell me. The TARDIS was attacked by a randy sheep with a clock for a face. Mm, time collision. Now it's this place I'm talking about. This, this ER, this experienced reality. Nonsense. Great fun. Wouldn't mind having another go. Exactly. And another. And another. Until you're as hooked on ER as a junkie is on heroin. Oh, come on, Doctor. You must be having us on. Hey, Greckle! What, my little old toy soldier? Where's the ambience pluralizer? Lurks behind the drinks, doesn't it? Like a, a virgin at a blip do. That's something I can't wait to see. Yes, thank you. Oh, better. Oh, inordinately better. A moon brothel just suits my mood. So, yeah, there's the very bizarre lines like um, Pertwee talking about. Um, like heroin for a junkie, and uh, the other one with things like a like a virgin at a blip do and things like that, and think it doesn't quite work. And it's it's almost like an old person <laughs> trying to be young and cool 
writing those lines. And I think the same yeah. could probably have been said about Barry's later script for the Sarah Jane series from Big Finish and the Dow connection, which was there's similar lines. It's like it just doesn't quite work. It's, it's well-meaning, but yeah. it just doesn't quite get there. And I think that those sort of made think, oh, I mean, when Big Finish do things like that now, it's you don't, it doesn't stand out. Maybe that's because we're accustomed to it with perhaps with later doctors. But I think the fact that it's John Pertwee in particular talking about a junkie and just think, oh, that just doesn't quite sound right for him. Well, or else it sounds like him doing a corporate video. Um, <laughs> But, but then, but then you've got lots of stuff um, you know, from his stuff. If you remember with Liz Shaw, and it comes back in this, oh, be a good girl, Sarah. You know, do as you're told. And I remember uh, my wife watching, I can't remember what it was, with Carolyn John in it and the doctor telling her something and just face like fizz from the other side of the sofa because we sometimes forget the attitudes and everything that come across there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, uh, the cringe is real and powerful during the bit where Sarah has that line about the time ram and the randy sheep. I thought, yes, no, that's not, that's not working. <laughs> uh, and, and there's also a bit about a moon brothel. That's the one, yeah. There you go. Uh, um, but the, there's one that works, there's one that works, and that's all about what you hear outside or something is the sound of the British public bent on pleasuring itself. And he's saying, is, is, is that the phrase I'm looking for? And I thought, well, that's the only one that I think he could probably say, okay, that's that's got a little bit of um, Robert Holmes in there too. So yes. I'd let him off with that. Yeah, but you can yeah, imagine. Yeah. That's... But the rest of them. Yeah, well, yeah. those are those are great spots, John. Yep, I think that you can imagine Russell getting away with the latter one in, uh, mm. in a story. But um, let's talk about the cast. I think it's such a great cast. Harold Innocent is free wonderful, you know, miles away from the part he had in the Happiness Patrol. Um, Morris Denham as the president, typical Morris Denham playing sort of like a, a sort of doddery old man, but uh, there's just a lot more to him than we think. Um, great turn from uh, Jane Slaven as Anya Fargin, long before she appeared in the Fourth Doctor Adventures as Anya Kingdom, mm -hmm. and later of course with David Tennant, but I think the real star turn of the, of the guest cast is Peter Miles. I mean, for ages after this came out, we were always we went to a convention and Peter Miles was at it. And how much for Tregan and things like that? It's against you during an auction, and <laughs> and we just kept saying go go go. Because that's yeah. catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. And and I, even now I go, still go, say go 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 three times in that uh -huh. manner that he says twice. You should have said it three times so you could go 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 to go 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 three yeah. times without sounding Welsh. He has yeah. such a recognisable voice and everything you see him in, it, it's always the same voice, but it's always a different character. Mm. And I, I just, uh, he was just chewing up that part. He was brilliant. <laughs> yep. Any of your favourites yeah. in there, John? It, well, no, I, 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 as, as you said, I think, I think Peter Miles was, was great. I, I also noticed uh, hunkering down uh, towards the bottom of the cast is Trevor Martin. Uh, I wonder. I wonder what he did uh, in the Doctor Who world. Uh, <laughs> but he's he's carrying a significant number of smaller roles. So yeah, I wonder how he felt. Uh, yeah. Not even being the Doctor's understudy in this. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a great a great cast. Uh, and and the okay, uh, Jeremy Fitzoliver doesn't get a lot of love, but you know he's got to he's got to earn his money somehow. So. Uh, I think he does a perfectly adequate pre-Big Finish audio job of it, and that's all we'll see. <laughs> oh, I've um, you know very fond memories of of them all. I, I, I just think it's great. I mean, I think um, Richard Pierce has given a very tough job bringing a sort of a, a posh twit in. I think even Hugh Grant might have struggled with this part. Yeah, yeah. that's very fair. I mean, at least he got to do the credits. That's you know, true. he got he got serious parts of doing the credits. Um, I wanted you to call this episode something completely different, Kenny, though, because I just couldn't get over what's happened to Waldo. And I wanted you to call it 
Where's Waldo? <laughs> well, we'll find out when this episode drops next week as we record. So, ah, uh, <laughs> still has the power. Indeed, I still, I, I, I love, I love Nicholas Courtney on uh, audio as well, and Brigadier character is just so good, and it works equally on audio as as for video. Yeah, I think the brig is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the regulars are great, and it's just wonderful. I mean, John Pertwee, he never stopped being the Doctor, let's be honest. You can imagine, yeah. even at home at night, he'd be saying, I am the Doctor, into the mirror, or when he's having mm-hmm. a shave. And uh, you can just imagine he's sort of, ah, yes, the Doctor's having a shave now, umbra, 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 and whatever else. And <laughs> Nick Gordon, was just effortlessly the brig. I mean, the two virtually became interchangeable. They were just uh, wonderful. Love the pair of them. Yeah, can I tell you a story about John Pertwee? Go for it. <laughs> but uh, I lived for years in Dundee, and uh, and you know a fairly rough part of it. But you know we had a whole load of good friends, and a whole load of them used to go away to a caravan park somewhere. Can't tell you where. But the story they told was John Pertwee was there as part of the the events for some some weekends, and he was a wonderful entertainer. He was up on the stage. Everyone was laughing. I don't know whether this was adult humour or child-friendly humour. No idea. But after, he would go round to each and every caravan, knock on the door, go in, introduce himself, have a laugh, have a wee drink, move on to the next caravan. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? I like that. I like that. We've actually yeah. got... Uh, say, oh, I am the doctor. Dimensionally transcendental caravans. <laughs> <laughs> I, or maybe I was he, was looking for, he was looking for the masters. Maybe. Oh, Maybe it's, very, was... it's all going terribly autons now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've, um, I mean, I've there's actually a really nice story about John Pertwee, which you can hear over in Pieces of Eight in next Friday's episode, actually, uh, episode five, when we're talking about real-time pictures. So, yeah, please do check that one out for another lovely story about John Pertwee just being a, an absolute gent. So I'm not going to tell you now because I'm not going to spoil it. I want to go, I'll go and listen and bump up the listening figures so there we go so let's let's sum this one up then john how do you how do you find it can you make it sort of rank alongside the tv pertwees and think yeah i could go that quite easily and if you're in the mood for a pertwee rather than watch it just have a listen um if i'm being honest it's not quite up there for me as a believable john pertwee episode at least not it, it, it doesn't it doesn't compare with the feel of Trevor Baxendale's recent uh, offering with the master as far as I'm concerned which I think really captures the 70s vibe for me this is not not quite in that category but it's still very enjoyable nonetheless Stevie for you yeah I I love it for what it is it's it's not real Pertwee who but yeah I'll I'll listen to it twice a year quite happily I do feel that for both of these they've done a really good story but sometimes the ending just doesn't quite work and I can't tell you why that's yeah. what I feel about both of them it's great 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 and then oh it's over hmm. yeah I mean I think in some ways it's got the equivalent of it doesn't quite know what it wants to be does it want to be a traditional unit story or does it want to be an adventure in space and time and it's somewhere between the two and I don't think it ever quite decides what it actually is and in some ways, it's almost like the traditional like Hinchcliffe six-parter. You've got a four-parter and a two-parter with that, or in this case, we've got a two-parter and a three-parter. So it's uh, it's a strange hybrid, but it's it's really enjoyable. And this was the first time I'd listened to it in absolutely ages, and it was just a real joy just to to go back and uh, feel like I was nineteen all over again. Oh. Happy times and places. So. Let's move on to the second of the Pertwee specials. It is The Ghost of Endspace, and let's hear a brief excerpt from that. I should apologise for parking the TARDIS in your magnificent great hall, Signore. I beg your pardon, Barone. Oh, no, 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 it's not a real dish, Barone. Only label a lag on empty jam jar. I am Mario Valcante, plain, plain as a nose on a face. I am called Barone because I am Esquire. Is that right? Yes, Mr. Squire? Same as Lord of the Manor, really. And you told the Brigadier, Signore, 
that you and your forebears have always known the Castello to be haunted. Of course. The lady in the white dress. I see her often when I was bambino, but not the little diaboli, the fiends from the pit. They come only now, the rascals. And you say that you've seen them too, Brigadier. I don't believe in ghosts, and yet... Well, I've certainly caught a glimpse of one. At least I think I have. One of Uncle Mario's friends. Oh, what did it look like? Oh, absolutely ghastly, old boy. Scales and tentacles and teeth. You know the sort of thing. Yes, I'm very much afraid that I do. Was anybody else seen them apart from you and the brigadier, Signor Vicente? Oh, sure. Our servants. They ran away like cowardly Casta de creams back to village. Only young Umberto left. The butler, 79, if he's a day. Aha! You hear? Come a quick. You see her? The lady in the white. Beyond this door. You see? I know that voice. Good grief! Stay where you are, Brigadier. You too, Morone. God, I thought as much. It's fading away. It's gone! Thank goodness. Brigadier, Doctor, it's Sarah. I think she's fainted. Yeah, well, keep back, Jeremy. I can see her. The wind, it'll have her over. She's right on the edge. Well, if I lie flat and you hold my feet in Death Bridge, Jared, I, I should be able to get her. Now, come on. Oh, do be careful. Now then, gently does it. Inch by inch. Hold on tight, Brigadier. Right. A couple more inches. A little more. Right. Got her. Back we go. Back we go. Back. Is she all right? Oh, just shock, that's all. Shock. Sarah? Sarah. Where am I? No, no, no. I... It's all right. It's all right. It's gone. Sarah, it's gone. Oh, doctor. Brigadier. Oh, Brigadier. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So this one was uh, released in early 96 and it was not long, I think it was just like three months before John Pertwee passed away. Um, I mean, I remember there was quite a lot of hype about this and there was a whole problem about it being recorded in 1994, but it took so long for it to actually be broadcast. So it was a bit strange that the BBC said they couldn't transmit it until 96. But um, I have to admit, when this one came out, I listened to it and I won't lie, I thought it was very much a backward step compared to The Paradise of Death as I thought it was. Everything that The Paradise of Death did wrong, unfortunately, the Ghost of, Ghost of End Space took it and I think took it further. So, Stevie, did you feel the same love for The Ghost of End Space that you obviously have for The Paradise of Death? Well, I suppose so, because I, I prefer it over Paradise of Death. Wow. I, I, but I listened Ooh. to it first. I listened to it in the wrong order. So, and I, I don't know. I, I like the kind of earthbound stuff a little. I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of him being stuck there, but I, I do like. Although I would say in this, the science is a little bit, you know, weird. I mean, I'm not saying. Maybe I am. It's a wee bit like, for example, I don't know the moon being an egg. <laughs> it doesn't quite fit with what you know and if ghosts are what they say they are then well I don't know life's pointless we no, well, yeah let's just give up and let's go and find the ghosts so that was the downside to it but I I love the idea of the brig having an uncle and him having a castle and yeah, and, and it, it's kind of hammed up over the top with all the big voices, and I might get down him stairs. And, uh, you know, the mafia and stuff. What's what's not to like as a bit of a, a comedy piece? Interesting. <sighs> oh dear, John, that noise was not a good noise. <laughs> I, I don't think he's altogether in agreement with me on this one. I'm not, I'm not buying that, Stevie, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I, I just thought that it was a a miracle, or a little short of a miracle, that, that Italy didn't recall its ambassador over those <laughs> over those accents, which I think are possibly the worst <laughs> accents ever ever heard. Uh, and I 
didn't for one second buy into Lesbridge Stewart's partial Italian ancestry with his uncle Mario, who's obviously taking time out from karting uh, to make his appearance in this uh, oral feast. No, I just, I just thought it was all over the plot, all over the shop, all over time periods, and yeah, this the science, if you could call it that, was yes, decidedly fanciful. Some good ideas, don't get me wrong, there are some interesting, there's a, there's a kernel of uh, a, an interesting concept in there somewhere, but I just think it gets mangled beyond uh, recognition in, in the way it's all executed. Literally, so, in some cases, executed. Literally, literally executed, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, again, there were, there were some aspects of, you know, comedic violence that you were alluding to there uh, and you kind of think well, that's actually quite over the top you know mm. uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't get that in, in uh, you know on, on screen and I think it falls into that sort of it's like the inverse whenever people talk about and I think it's a point that Colin Baker always makes is that you know your 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 budget is limitless when it comes to audio you know you can do all the things that you couldn't do and um, on on screen and you can create all of these wonderful you know, um, landscapes in people's minds. It seems to have kind of fallen into the opposite for that. You know, you could have you could have done so much more, and what it kind of creates instead uh, isn't very satisfying to the imagination, in my humble opinion. But we can we can argue the point. Interesting is, I mean, I found that this one. I just thought there's just so much exposition in it. You know, it's sort of like it's bad radio. It's like, oh look, there is the ghost wearing 17th century clothes, and they are floating through the wall, that sort of thing. And I just found mm-hmm. that was really jarring for me, and it just didn't, it just didn't feel per- enough pair to be because I think, obviously, with the setting and with Paradise of Death, with Paracon organization coming to Earth and having the fun fair, and you think, yep, that's absolutely. I can imagine that happening. So if you there's that sort of terror of the autons throwback with that sort of carnival fun fair, but with this one, it's just it's just so alien to what we're used to from the Pertwee era. And you look at um, I don't know if you've heard any of what Big Finish have done in their Third Doctor adventures with Tim Trelore, and mm-hmm. they're very much you do get that sort of mixture of the traditional monster of the week invasion of Earth mad scientist type thing, mm-hmm. and then trip to outer space in the style of you know, Malcolm Hulk stories and things like that, so they feel very faithful, but for me this one just perhaps pushes it a little bit too far, which is quite strange when you consider that it was Barry Letts what wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got a very, um, very strong cast, I would say there's um, despite the accents, with Stephen Thorne playing Max, I mean just what a voice, you know, obviously yeah. we know him best as Omega. And he's just that wonderful booming voice. Harry Taub, of course, is Mario, who we've seen in Terror of the Autons. Obviously, Barry Letts come back to casting a few old pals from his time. And then, of course, Sandra Dickinson, the former Mrs. Peter Davison, playing the the interesting part of Maggie. Who um, I thought she was great. Really did. I, I really enjoyed her performance. She's very similar in everything she plays. I, she's just, it's just like I can't get her out of my head as Trillian. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's tricky. Mm-hmm. Have you heard her in the in some of the Dirk Mag stuff when they bring the two two yes. Trillians together? Yes. I mean, that, that's quite interesting. Um, there's a definition in her act in there that's mm-hmm. different. I thought she was a very subtle Anne Boleyn in the the uh, the audio version of Wolf Hall. No, in fact, no, that was someone else completely. Sorry. She was very subtle. I was being facetious. Yeah, she always sounds the same in my in my ears, you know. Yeah, although it's quite uncanny just how much her daughter looks like her. Yes, yes, Georgia. Whatever happens I'm to her? As if we're close friends. Georgia, know. yeah. Maybe she'd get her in a Doctor Who somewhere. She's, maybe she's maybe she's got some guy who lives with her. Maybe she's got her own tenant or something like that. Who knows? That's the way that, the things people do to, to get incomes. Um, I mean, I think that something we haven't mentioned yet is the music, uh, which was mm-hmm. Peter Howell, obviously, as of the Radiophonic Workshop. How did we find that? 
um, going with sort of seventy style stories in, uh, but with eighty style production. John. Well, the last time we spoke, uh, I was talking about how I'm, I'm a big fan of the the Delia Derbyshire arrangement. I really liked the Peter Howell arrangement when it came. Once I got over the kind of the the, the shock of it, you know, becoming so kind of eighties stroke disco, and. Um, but you know, if you're gonna do a '70s or a, a, a story featuring the '70s cast, then you've got to use the '70s theme, uh, I think. Uh, so I find that a little bit jarring. The rest of the incidental music uh, is, is 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 fine. But again, you know, I think you can you can do a soundtrack which, or an incidental score which which pays homage to the the notes of the of the um, the Pertwee years, be it the the clanging of the the sea devils or the rather more melodious stuff. No, so I thought I thought it was it was okay, but I was disappointed. I would have I would have liked to have heard the the the, the Delia Derbyshire arrangement at the start and at the end. And there was a little kind of the the eighties uh, allusion to the Doctor Who theme that often sometimes popped up in the uh, in in the incidental music itself. You get you get those doom 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 doom, doom yep. things, you know, uh, which is fine. But it kind of takes you out of the the seventies vibe, I think. Stevie, I think yeah, I. I think you you need. I like the doctors to stick with their music, so it's a bit of a shock when you've got the '80s stuff. Also, why they decided they would do sort of a stuttered start, I can never work out. If yeah, that's to, that double the double visu visu. Yeah, and you know to say, oh, this this is this is an '80s Doctor Who. This is something different, but we've done it really really cheap. Like I don't know. <laughs> um, and the incidental kind of worked. It didn't intrude. It just kind of washed over me. Really, um, I think how Big Finish have done it, the Tim Trelore stuff, just works beautifully with with their mixture of stuff. I hated the first ones where they did the narration, but they very quickly seemed to kick that to the the curb. I find, I mean, again, Paradise of Death did the exposition with Treyguard and said, you know, Sarah's thing, haven't you got another set so I can watch? Now I've only got one, but I'll tell you what's happening. You know, to so that they could explain what was going on, and you know they're kind of doing the same thing in the Ghosts of End space. Oh look, I'm, what's Guido doing? Oh, he's got a basket of kazoos. It's <laughs> I, I suppose you just got to get over over that bit, a bit of it. But you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's not great audio when it's got to be explained to you what someone's watching. Yeah, um, I mean, there's I I'm a big fan of radiophonic music i love electronic stuff and i love peter hill's score which for the paradise of death which appeared in the 30 years at the radiophonic workshop cd there's about five odd minutes on there which i really enjoyed and i have to admit i've listened to it over and over again and i wish i could get the full version of it but that was rather enjoyable but once again there was something that was rather jarring i was speaking with a big finnish writer earlier today and mentioned that we'd be chatting about this today and he was saying, oh God, yes, there's one bit that really stuck out to him about the Ghost Event Space. It's uh, one word appears and it was completely sort of glossed over when it's talking about Sarah when she's pretending to be a boy. And sometimes, oh, so you must be the doctor's catamite. I'm like, oh my God. Which, of course, for those who don't know, it's a boy kept for homosexual practices. And uh, it's like, oh, my God. People probably didn't know what that meant, so they just thought it must be another word for concubine or something. So, <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, one that slipped through. Pip and Jane would no doubt uh, be proud of that word appearing, given their love of lexicography. But uh, Well, again, you've, you've got the bit that says, um, does catamite th- mean what I think it means? I'm afraid it probably does. <laughs> 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 Left with thinking, hmm, gonna have to look that one up, just check. Yeah, but an interesting, (laughs) yeah, an interesting one. But I think the real shame is that obviously John Pertwee passed away not long after this was broadcast because he would have so been up for more of these. I mean, the cast were, and just think we could have had a a few more with uh, Sarah Jane in the break, and indeed, perhaps with some uh, wonderful Katie Manning or even. 
carried on would have been so nice just to, mm-hmm. to have had a few more of those and even if they weren't okay 90s sounding but it just would have been so lovely just to have had that wee thing just to carry the torch for a few more years till Big Finish came along because you know that John would have been straight in there um, and yeah. promoting them everywhere he could mm-hmm. left, right and centre just standing there I am the Doctor and then whipping a CD out from within, within his cloak <laughs> Here you go Noel thanks for your, inviting me to your yeah. house party yeah Um I, I, for one, I mean, I know you've you've got all of your big finish contacts, Kenny. I, I, I simply must hear uh, if they can get Tim Trelaw and Katie Manning to do uh, Doctor Who in the Basket of Kazoo's. Um, that's, <laughs> that's all I want to. That's all I want to hear now. I only second. That's all I'll be able to think about. <laughs> Dear Nick Briggs, please could we have Doctor Who and the Basket of Kazoo's, lots of love from Kenny. Bye. Good. There we go. Yes, and I, I would, I would love to have just like kind of a, a walk on, a walk on part. If you can have a walk on part in an audio, <laughs> but uh, yeah, even just to hold the basket of Kazoo's yep. would be a, would 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 be a privilege. Yeah, and can you I, play the kazoo, John? I can, as part of my homage to the Twelfth Doctor uh, theme that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> And, and do and a I would, very I would, good impersonation of it. I would bring up the backing with the the original Silurians and and the Kazoo's as well. Yeah, very atmospheric. It's really good, actually. It's almost indistinguishable from the actual. You'd almost think I'd watched it once or fifty times, but uh, yeah. Exactly. I look forward I to that one being restored for Blu-ray. The, the um the whole audio thing. I mean, Big Finish do it so well, but then. Radio 4 start to do it better. Everyone does it so much better now, and it's just a shame that we've lost all these wonderful voices. And I think, you know, Doctor Who lives on so much for, for modern actors now, whether they choose to do it or not. But, you know, yes, you if you are the Doctor, that's that's you for the, the tenure you're in. Sort of nine, ten months out of the year, you are busy. But with audio, you can be busy for two or three days or less, and you can live on. And I think that, I think John Pertwee would have loved that, just as a, a wee drop in the studio, go off and yep. do his own thing again. Yeah, of course he did do one big finish. Oh, the looks in your faces, you don't know this, do you? Mm. No, but no. He, he did a fan video called Devious, in which he ah, regenerated into a, well, yeah. another guy regenerated him. Well, they used sound clips from that in Zagreus, the 40th anniversary special. And ah, right. they were able to use them, and his, his family approved the use of the, the clips and things like that. So you have him interacting with Paul McGann. So it's quite it's quite nice to hear oh, just yeah. that sort of. He did get one big finish credit to his name, so that's rather nice that uh-huh. they were able to work it out that way. And because it's something that he would have been all over, just being the ultimate showman. Yeah, like yeah. He'd, he'd still be doing it now. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that uh, we lost him so soon after these because. They really were starting to. Okay, maybe it wasn't. Uh, Ghost of Endspace wasn't the greatest, but I'm sure if they'd got some other writers in and mixed it up a bit and got a Terence Dick script in there, you know you'd have got an absolute gem. Terence would have been, you know, no frills, probably would have brought back the old Rons or one of his own creations or something like that, as you know, later Terence wasn't inclined to be inventive and sort of recycling his old ideas and doing something new with something old. Um, never something borrowed or something blue. Because the colour from monsters <laughs> is green, of course, but um, but yeah, it's just a shame that it would be so lovely just to have got some, you know, almost like a like twenty six part series on audio, so we had them on for half the year, just like we would have had on telly, and ah, oh, it was not to be. Do you think politics had anything to do with this, though? You know, were were there particular things the BBC said? Well, we want stories in this format. We don't want stories in another format. Was there much leeway given to these productions? Well, Pertwee was convinced that the whole thing was held up for broadcast because of the ongoing ongoing negotiations with Amblin and then latterly Phil Siegel to get the TV movie. He was utterly convinced of that. But whether there's any truth in that, I would doubt it. I don't think they'd be that bothered about something going out on the radio, which, let's be honest, at that point, Radio 5, long before it became a news channel, I think at this point, the big Finnish writer I spoke to earlier said it was on long wave, so you're talking literally, you'd have had a few hundred thousand listeners 
if that yeah. um, in poor dodgy quality. So I don't think it would have been a huge issue there, but maybe it was just at that point, the commissioning, they would just do it in batches of six or five. and Who knows? Shame though. I just when I listen to them, I just feel very nostalgic and I did feel the urge to go and watch some more Pertwee. So I whacked on the mutants and then stopped after two episodes. <laughs> I think um, one, of, one, in, one at a time with that is more than enough. Thank you very much. Have you ever tried listening to the modern series? Not no. Not watching it? It's, it's worth the go. I don't know. I, I used to record it for my daughter when she was wee because she wanted to listen to stuff. So we recorded sort of uh, Matt Smith onwards. It's worth a listen to to see the images that are in your head or not in your head. Okay. I, I, would, I would try it. it it's quite um, it's it's good. Doesn't work so well in the later series, but Matt Smith's certainly works. Mm. Interesting. John, have you heard any of the Big Finish Third Doctor audios? Yes, I have, uh, and and enjoyed them. I like the. Yeah, you could say the chemistry between Tim Trelaw and Katie Manning in particular. No, I really like them. I kind of gravitated towards those ones because of my attachment to the to the Third Doctor era. Um, so yeah, they've been they've been really good. I really Excellent. enjoyed those, but I haven't I haven't listened so much to the other ones. Uh, but they're yeah in general yeah. Really the recent like release of Kaleidoscope I thought was superb, sort of like throwing in a bit of Tomorrow People and Sky and all those ITV type series, just sort of to show mm-hmm. how that would contrast with the Third Doctor's era. Now, I'm going to now give us a few thoughts from some of our listeners who I asked for some thoughts on Twitter, and here's what they were thinking. We'll start with James Hadwin Bennett, uh, who's on Twitter at fitgeek underscore UK. Hello, James who's one of our regulars over on Pieces of Eighth. He says, its heart is in the right place. It needs a polish and continuity is a nightmare, but it was New Who in a drought. It had a cast who gave it more than the role. Oh, we're playing dares, are we? Always sticks in my mind. And it's just so fun. Michael Milani says, I liked it. Good to have some more John Pertwee Doctor Who before he passed away. I seem to recall Radio 4 played the penultimate episode twice by mistake and had to repeat the last one a week later. Or was that the Ghosts of Endspace? I think that was a repeat of Paradise of Death. Yep. Mark Sturton, for a thirsty, thirsty Doctor Who fan, it was like a cold beer after a long, hot day. Dave Javu, I bought the TV Zone cover edition to read all about it, but never obtained it at the time, presumably due to the volume of VHS releases. Picked it up years later and rather enjoyed listening in the car, commuting. Fits in well with season 11 and everyone's enthusiasm feels well placed. Nicholas Headley said, I loved it, a new Doctor Who story when there were none, so something to look forward to. I remember the cassette coming out before the broadcast of the last episode and it had bits in, not heard in the radio. Ben Tracy says, I've happy memories of listening to this on my Sony Walkman while camping, aged 12 or 13. It seemed a magical missing story, seamlessly fitting between Hampstead Heath and Paracon in dreamlike logic. Peter Miles is Tragen and the sound design are special highlights. James Sylvester said, This was like finding a precious air pocket in a vacuum back in the day. I sat with my head pressed up to the radio, with my tape running, so I could do it all over again. The story? Ah, okay, but the fact that it existed was like winning the lottery. And Cliff Chapman says, I quite enjoyed it at the time, to be honest, although it was a bit weird hearing Pertwee sound so old and different. At the time, I thought it was a bit odd Sarah Jane sounded so posh too, but cleverly that's true to season 11 Sarah Jane Smith, and she's softer with Tom. Maybe Harry takes the edge off. Jeremy is no Harry Sullivan, and I think they tried for that vibe. It's weird having such an early 90s story with the Pertwee cast. Obviously, they were meant to be a bit in the future, yet... The performances are generally very good, and it's much, much better than Endspace. At Bernard JKD on Twitter says, It's Let's on Empty, just a silly runaround with no real theme driving it. Still, better than its subsequent audio at least. Jeremy, for FFS2, I nearly said it out loud but stopped myself. Paul Quinn, really disappointed by it. 
The characters all seemed off, the plot was weak, and didn't feel like a Pertwee story. Ghost of Endspace may have been worse. At Father Pip. Can't help feeling that Jeremy was Harry Sullivan, but then they remembered he wasn't in this bit. Richard Smith replied to that, saying, You're probably right, but somehow they contrived to remove every ounce of warmth and wit from the character and replace them with a half-wit. Ah oh well. Jason P. Buckby. Oh, for Pete's sake. Making Welsh rare bit. Jeremy! Sarah came across as a bit horrible to Jeremy, then again was irritating. Richard Smith said, By and large, I loved it. Great to hear Pertwee and Sladen again. Great to hear Pertwee and Sladen together again with Courtney. Jeremy was a mistake though. Harold Innocent and Peter Miles made great villains. Played the double cassette many times while driving around. Paved the way for my later big finish habit. Richard Jackson said, As a wilderness years child, this was so special. I had this and Ghost of Space on cassette and nearly wore them out. I played them so much. Dr. Matthew J. Williamson, one of my absolute faves, have listened to it over and over again. Ghosts of Endspace is naff, but this is not only entertaining, but prescient. I speak as project lead for a Centre for Augmented and Virtual Reality. Interesting. Thank you, Dr. Williamson. John Hughes said, at the time, I was very excited to have an original audio Doctor Who adventure, long before Big Finish, and it was wonderful to see the third Doctor, Sarah, and the Brig together again. However, the use of the Peter Hill theme arrangement was unexpected. Jeremy Fitzoliver was a mistake, a poor man's Nigel Pargeter from The Archers, and the, here we go, here we go, here we go, hooligans at the start haven't aged well. That said, did I enjoy it? Yes. Do I still listen to it? Yes. Do I wish Mr Pertwee had lived long enough to do more? Oh yes. Uh, here's one from Frankie is seeing Avril Levine tonight. Oh wow, that must have been so much fun. Uh, Frankie said, I loved it. Listened to it a few weeks back. Would probably rate it 9 out of 10. And finally, Alan McGuan says, I don't think I can share my thoughts on this in polite society. I shall just say at least it's not as bad as Ghost of Endspace and leave it at that, talking about the paradise of death. So, oh my <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah. That's damning with faint praise. It's not as bad as the Ghost of Endspace. So, interesting. So, there we go. Any final thoughts, gents? Um, thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to revisit these curios of the Doctor Who audio world and um, it was interesting to sort of see what it looked or sounded like rather before big finish so no i was i was really i was really glad to have a chance to do that and although i've been hard on the the, the ghost of end space as i said there were some some interesting ideas and certainly some good performances in there somewhere just as i said don't don't make me listen to the italian accents <laughs> one more time please Please, so don't make me listen to the accents. <laughs> oh, police! It is the ghost, of, the ghost of end space. You do not understand. Oh, oh what a mistake! The air. <laughs> oh, what a mistake at the maker to go back yeah. to a low, a low land. Stevie, yeah. what's your final thoughts? Uh, do you know, I, I still like them, and I will continue to listen to them in the wrong order when I remember about them. And um, <laughs> yeah, I just. Just wish there'd been a few more. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's a recording somewhere that they never released. The BBC has still got, and in a few years they'll just surprise us. That would be lovely. That'd be a lovely treat for us all. I also think I'm just thinking there. I think we should reconvene soon and uh, do the Pescatons and Exploration Earth. Oh yeah. You see, I never made it through the Pescatons. Well, now you've got an excuse to do so. Dear. Do, yes. do, 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 just do, as a little. A little sidebar as well, if we're talking about these audio stories, I would have to also come clean that although I, I own both the novelizations, I have never read them. So we didn't really touch on the the uh, their imprinted lives, but uh, I've, I, I never got around to reading them. I never read have Ghost you, have of Endspace. I never read Ghost yeah. of Endspace. I did Paradise of Death um, uh, because I enjoyed the radio one, but because I wasn't the greatest fan of Ghost. It's probably actually the only Doctor Who book or novel, original novel, that I've got that I've never read. Wow. Oh, well, at least we've got that in common as well. Mm -hmm. Yay. And I didn't know there were books. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Well, that's been 
a real blast, gents. I thoroughly enjoyed a wee trip back to the 90s, stroke 70s, stroke, or is it 80s? Who knows? Uh, I keep saying Who 70s, knows? but it could well be. Uh, I suppose unit, unit, unit dating after all, yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't. Just, <laughs> let's just avoid that whole thing. I'm talking about 70s because they were produced in the 70s. Let's go with that. That's why yeah, I've said okay. that. I'm not setting the stories there. That's very much up to the, the fans to decide where they want to place them. <clears throat> there we go. Trying to, just like we did at the start, trying to um, get that shovel out and try not to hit <laughs> anyone with it. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, an episode which is looking at lost stories where I'm having a chat with the king of the lost stories and finding him Mr. Richard Bignall uh, which is Ooh. a really fascinating insight into how he came across some lost gems and the ones that he would most like to find so we'll be back next Thursday with that one but in the meantime I believe that Dr. Bolin you may have a question for me Do I? Alright um, Kenny what are you playing his ad with? Go 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 <laughs> um, well, Peter Miles was an accomplished jazz singer, which you may not have known, um, but we're not going to go out with the Peter Miles jazz quartet, uh, much as I would love to. I wonder if now you can find clips on that on YouTube. I may have to look that up shortly. But no, um, I thought it would have been quite easy to go with a song from Coldplay, their Paradise song, but everybody seems to hate Coldplay, so I'm not going to go for that one. But instead, I'm going to go for somebody who has worked with Coldplay on the song Fun, and it's a second power of three appearance for Tuvalu, or Tovalo, if you want to be grammatical about it and how it's written out, and her song called Paradise. So, there we go. So, I shall just uh, allow you gents to say farewell before we say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, Kenny. It has been a pleasure. I go back to the castello to look for the ghosts with Peter. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. Uh, I, I, I've got no accent left. I'd like to apologise to the posthumous Peter Miles for that terrible uh, impersonation and to uh, his, his estate. Please do not press charges or <laughs> seek legal redress. I didn't mean it. But no, it's been lovely uh, having this opportunity to talk about Doctor Who. What could be a more pleasant way to spend one's time? So thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Stevie. Thank you, uh, anyone who's listening. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And now it's time for Tuvalu to... Go, go, go! Touch you once, my fingers go numb Oh my breath on second too long Fainting nervous when I wake up You'll be gone, you're all that I got So